It's time. It's time for y'all favorite part of the week again. Somewhere in the shadows broadcasting live. It's Blake. Watching Monday Night Raw. Just let me get this straight. You telling me that we had an entire kickoff show dedicated to the tag teams and of course getting into uh, you know, everything else that was going to happen at Survivor Series as far as predictions go from the all-star panelists that we had for those two hours. But even though SmackDown won, we're not going to regard the score based on miscommunication. I'm a little upset about that because now we're pushing the narrative that there's a clean sweep even though Raw lost the match. But that, in my opinion, just makes the kickoff shows a completely separate entity than the main show that we're going to get each and every time we get one on the WWE Network streaming live. So the story is Raw 6-0 out of seven matches. We're just going to sweep. You see that? That tag team elimination match under the rug and act as if it never happened, even though we all know SmackDown tag teams are better than Raw tag teams, and that's just the way we're going to write it. Either way, we're getting into Monday Night Raw, we're looking at acting general manager Baron Corbin. I'm very, very high on him, but he does act a little cowardly at times. We call it a heel tactic, call it a character, call it whatever you like. He's bringing out our commissioner, the one who orchestrated the entire thing, the clean sweep, uh, Stephanie McMahon, and I'm excited to find out what happens next. So luckily we get Stephanie coming out. It's always a pleasure to see her. And uh, she's speaking about everything that took place last night at Survivor Series with Raw again got a clean sweep. I mean, outside of that SmackDown victory that we're just going to sweep underneath the rug. Listen, everything that happened as far as Raw, it was a complete, it was schooling. It was... It was a clinic. It was so, it was decimation. It was every other word or adjective that you could think of. It was literally, a, it was a whooping. SmackDown attempted to uh, do what they can. And we'll get all, we'll get into all of that. But literally, 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 Raw kicked ass last night at Survivor Series. And it was something else. So Baron Corbin, you know, he aided in putting that all together. You know, he did lead one of the teams. Uh, to victory, which uh, of course led to that clean sweep, and he was looking forward to Stephanie uh, moving him up another rung or two on the ladder to a more permanent position, as in being the definite general manager of Monday Night Raw. She was. Uh, she reminded him that she also made deals with uh, the Monster Among Men, Braun Strowman, which brought him out, and he definitely did not forget about the promises that she made to him as far as getting his rematch at the Universal Championship against Brock Lesnar at an eventual date and definitely getting uh, his payback on Baron Corbin for what happened uh, back during his Universal Championship match against uh, Brock Lesnar some time ago where Baron Corbin literally interfered before the bell even rang completely unnecessary but it is what it is so now we have a match coming up at TLC in about four weeks streaming live on the WWE Network a lot of time to build to that 
So I could only imagine what's going to take place, but it's going to be uh, Baron Corbin versus the Monster Among Men, Braun Strowman, and a tables, ladders, and chairs match. This is the marquee match. This is what the ta- this is what the, the pay per view is all about. This is what the event is. It's named after TLC. Uh, Baron thinks that he has the upper hand, but Braun is a monster that flips things and breaks things and destroys things, but we have seen Baron Corbin, I mean, we have seen Braun Strowman uh, take a couple of L's when it came to, like, giant weapons and all kinds of other toys and goodies that are hidden underneath and around the ring, so Baron Corbin acting general manager is under the impression that he might have the upper hand, of course, we're going to see what happens, but I don't think Baron Corbin is too far off from the facts when it comes to that, I think he's, uh, I think he has a little bit, a little bit of, uh, I think he's a little right with that, I think he makes some sense with being able to attack him with chairs and ladders and tables and being able to uh, keep him down for a fair count, we'll see what happens, I mean, he is only one man taking on a complete monster, and if the monster gets his hands on him, then it'll look something like a what what it looked like last night at Survivor Series between Daniel Bryan and Brock Lesnar. It was and that was a piece of decimation. We'll get to that though, uh potentially later tonight, maybe tomorrow night on SmackDown Live, but we'll see what takes place. Either way, we've got a six man tag coming up. Baron Corbin wanted to have a handicap match, wanted to put Braun Strowman in a handicap match against uh Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre, which you can definitely see. Bobby Lashley has a claim for the Universal Championship eventually. He has to uh, continue working his way up that ladder. I think he would be maybe third or fourth, maybe fifth in line so far as far as the heavyweights go. And Drew McIntyre clearly is chomping at the bit to have at least a piece of that Universal Championship. But he, I would say, is definitely third in line right now. He's uh, looking to surpass Braun Strowman and he's looking real good in his attempt so far. His walk is definitely going good. But speaking of walking, uh, Stephanie wanted to up the ante a little bit from that handicap match, and she puts uh, Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre on the team with Baron Corbin, acting general manager, and we have Elias, Finn Balor, and Braun Strowman on the team, and we're going to make that an elimination tag match also, so now we've got the six-man tag coming up, and we've got the almighty Bobby Lashley coming out with Leo Rush, and then we'll have everyone else come out, I already know. And we're just going to see what takes place throughout that match. Yes, so it's official that it's going to be an elimination match. It was by way of acting general manager Corbin. Uh, Corey Graves called it a Survivor Series hangover where they wanted to. Yeah, well, no, we wanted to, but it's uh, it's uh, pretty much that elimination feel. So one of the teams is going to end up at, and uh, they have horrible odds against them. And uh, we're starting off with uh, Drew McIntyre and Braun Strowman. I want to jump in right here and share that last night at Survivor Series. Uh, Drew McIntyre was doing a whole lot of tagging in for himself, and it uh, almost caused Team Raw to implode on itself. You know, again, when towns clash, uh, personalities collide, and there's a definite uh, clash between Braun Strowman and Drew McIntyre. You can see that these two are uh, really, really, again, both vying for the Universal Heavyweight Championship, and you can see that Drew McIntyre hasn't shown any fear since he's uh, joined the Royal roster. He's gone uh, straight for Braun in so many tenses. They were on a team. They were friends. They were cool, but not any longer uh, because only one man can wield that championship. 
Uh, it's going to be very interesting to see who comes out on top between the two. But thus far, it's looking as if uh, Braun Strowman is uh, immovable. And Drew McIntyre is going to have to dig way into his bag to show us exactly what he's capable of as far as showing, uh, well, excuse me, as far as uh, being the most dominant man on the Raw roster. So far, it's been proven that Braun Strowman is the only person on the Raw roster next to Brock Lesnar himself uh, that can stand up to anybody. So it's very valiant. It's very cool. It's very... uh very good to see someone standing up to Braun Strowman and say, hey, I'm not afraid of you. I could take you on. You can do whatever you want to me, but it's not going to put me down for too long. And it's going to be very, very entertaining to see Braun Strowman attempt to pull tricks out of his bag because apparently he has way more to show us than what we've seen thus far. We've seen some awesome things from Braun Strowman. So let's uh, figure out how the rest of this match takes place. So far, the story is going, uh, Finn Balor is attempting to get to the ropes, and he's able to tag in. He showed off a little something, but he started getting beat up a lot, and then he was getting, like, by Drew McIntyre, tagged in Lashley. Lashley almost cut him in half in the corner uh, with the shoulder tackle and the turnbuckle. That was crazy. You know, Bobby Lashley, like, he played a lot of football, so, yeah, Finn Balor could have bruised a rib or two with that. He, I mean, when McIntyre was in, he got kicked directly on the side of the head before we cut the break. But either way, now that Baron Corbin's in with him, uh, he was attempting to get back. Baron Corbin was pulling him. He wasn't having. He tried to elbow Corbin. Corbin was still holding on. Went off the ropes, came back. And it's, uh, it's crazy because... <laughs> Move of the match was a deep six. As soon as Bam, I mean, as soon as uh, Finn was gonna get the tag, or it looked like he was gonna get the tag, Corbin picks him up and delivers that deep six, and it was it looked extremely devastating. It was a great sequence of uh, moves, and of course, that deep six is a great move to uh, hit on anybody. It looked very, very devastating. So Finn is able to tag out. He tags Elias, and then they do a little bit of. Uh, uh, tandem offense they had some cool uh teamwork spots where they were able to get some guys out the ring finn hit a cool flip uh on on one of the sides of the ring on the hard cam side it was really really it looked nice and it's not as much space on that side as you know where he normally does it off the ramp so you know you can see very good coordination he did that went to the top rope was going for the coup de gras and uh here we go with uh you know, uh, Drew McIntyre you know, pulled him down. He uh, hit his groin on the top turnbuckle, fl uh, flipped over, got back up and ran directly into a Claymore kick, which s sat him down for the three. I don't know why he tagged himself back in. That was a little, uh, it was just unwise. He, you know, you don't, just because Elias took a hit, but, you know, these guys don't have too many times where they team up, so. You know, it is what it is. Uh, that's what Finn uh, gets. I hope he learned a valuable lesson from that, trying to tag himself back in when Elias, clearly the bigger man, was uh, at least holding his own. But it, it, it happens. We'll see what happens next. Finn is eliminated, though. Let's just get that right. Finn was eliminated from that six-man tag. So since Finn is eliminated, Elias had jumped in, and he actually was uh, taking a little bit of a beating from... Uh, the opposing team, we had Drew McIntyre give him a hellacious uh, lariato, 
and where he literally had to knock some of his teeth down his throat severed and they even you could see Michael Cole or you could hear him asking about uh whether or not we heard the sound on it with the impact and yes we definitely did hear the impact on it Elias looked like he was uh he was a little shaken by that clothesline and the it was crazy. It looked like it hurt. And then he was, uh, when we tagged Corbin in, he got sl- literally slung into the corner and it knocked him back down. It knocked him down. He couldn't even, uh, he could barely even stand for himself. Outside the ring, meanwhile, we have Bobby Lashley running around to the other side to uh, bother Braun Strowman. And once Braun Strowman and Bobby began fighting, you see Drew. Uh, run across or run around the outside of the ring and jump off the steel steps and uh, blindside Braun Strowman, which was a well-laid trap, says Corey Graves, which did look like that in my opinion. I think that uh, Braun, he's going to need to figure out what's going on in this match or something crazy could happen to him because these guys look like they know exactly what they're doing. So Elias hits his uh, hits a knee to the face on Corbin to try to turn things around. Realizes that Braun Strowman is down based on the earlier attack from Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley. But so he goes up top and hits his patented elbow, which I've always appreciated since I've seen him drifting around over at NXT. It was nice to see then. It's great to see now on Raw. It's very rare that we see that on Raw, but. The height that Elias gets with being such a big man and he is such a strong upper body, it seems. You know, it looks like that elbow really, really, really hurts. It's very uh, devastating, uh, for lack of a better term for now. But yeah, that's uh, looking like it could potentially turn things around, maybe even eliminate uh, Corbin's team or at least Corbin off of the team. We'll see. So after that elbow, we go for the uh, pin cover. We get to two, but Bobby Lashley breaks it up. Elias goes and gets out the ring for a quick breather. And you see uh, Leo Rush uh, looking at him laughing. Get Elias uh, gets his eyes on his target and grabs him up. And, uh, well, not yet, pardon. Uh, Leo Rush, well, he attempts to grab Leo Rush. And Leo jumps up to the apron and does a very, very cool backflip over Elias' head. This is uh, an element of the match that was almost unforeseen, but it's always good to see Leo perform. He literally, uh, it's a cat and mouse game, and this time around, briefly, Elias got his hands on him once he turned around, yoked him, and, uh, well, unfortunately for Elias, if we're talking from a hill face standpoint, he ran directly, well, he dropped Leo because he could feel uh, the Adonis uh, stomping, but he was running, and uh, Bobby Lashley hit him with that rolling spear, and it looked extremely impactful, like it really, really hurt, it looks like he's not even moving, you know, after the fact, but that is, oh my goodness, that was bananas, oh man, Bobby Lashley put the, put the uh, hurt to him with that spear, so... That's uh that's what's taking place thus far. It seems to me that this uh this team has uh, gelled very well since uh the bell rang and there it's already three to two. Elias is down and looking rather tired. Uh, Braun Strowman is still down. We don't know what's going to happen. It looks like 
uh, Baron Corbin's team. Yet again, I guess we could see the leadership quality of Baron Corbin with all of this happening. Uh, it's really starting to shine through, and it looks like the uh, Team Corbin is going to win. I don't know, but we're going to find out. So yeah, Elias could not move. He was out of the ring at, uh, for a 10 count, so he gets disqualified from the match, leaving Braun Strowman to take on Team Corbin, apparently. It's Baron Corbin. Uh, Bobby Lashley and Drew McIntyre uh, it's almost foreseeable what's going to take place now for the monster among men you know these guys aren't tables ladders or chairs but this could be a definite indication as to what takes place in four weeks at the TLC pay-per-view streaming live on the WWE Network uh, so the devious scheme seems to have worked out for acting general manager Corbin to get everyone uh, that was on ba uh, Braun's team uh, off of the team as far as eliminations go and you could see and this is lucky for us we got a little bit of a, a preview as to what the match could look like or you know at least a little bit of the match we uh, always want to see at least these guys try to uh, fight it out so we can you know of course learn about what they could bring to the table come uh, the pay-per-view time and so Baron was uh, uh, beating him up had the upper hand for a moment but of course, you know, Braun Strowman is so large that he found a way around everything that Baron was tossing at him. So Braun Strowman has uh, gotten the upper hand. He goes outside to take out Bobby Lashley, which I don't know was uh, too wise. But at the same time, it's only one man. So he's trying to keep everyone down and then go for a pin. That is what my assumption was. So uh, we see him uh, show the tackle Bobby Lashley. I agree with Corey Graves saying a man at 385 pounds should not be able to accelerate at the speeds that the monster among men accelerates, but anything is possible clearly. So if you're somewhere near that, you know that you can uh, do exactly what Braun does. That's a hot take from Blake from me to you. You can do it if you believe in yourself. Either way, we see uh, Braun Strowman get back into the ring and hit Baron with the running power slam. He goes for the pin, which definitely looked like it was going to happen, but then Drew McIntyre runs into the ring with a chair to break up the count. That, my friends, is a disqualification. That, my friends, is how a plan comes together, because apparently there's more on the list to do to Braun Strowman than just get a simple 1-2-3 victory. Let's see what happens. As expected, we get a bunch of... Uh, Beat him up moves on Braun Strowman, got some chair shots on him, got him out the ring. He rolled out the ring on his own accord, but he couldn't get too much of a breather because out of nowhere comes Bobby Lashley yet again with another rolling spear. And this time he didn't put the roll on it, he just literally threw his body into Braun Strowman's as far as that spear went. Braun Strowman looks down for the count. And I mean, not in as far as the match goes, he looks like he got beat up. And this, these are two of the largest athletes on Raw. You have the almighty Bobby Lashley, who's not even... He, it's, it's almost unbelievable how, ma how many muscles this man has. And then we've got Drew McIntyre mounting him and just giving him those hands. Scottish Psychopath is on a, on a tear, and he looks as if he wants to do some more to him. So... 
I don't know what's going to happen to Braun Strowman. I don't know how he's going to retaliate from this. But right now, it's looking very, very bad for him. We get Braun tossed into the steel step shoulder first. And as uh, Baron Corbin comes through to talk some nonsense to him, talk some smack. As in, yeah, I told you so. And you can look forward to more of this come TLC. Uh, Braun actually gets a hand on his neck. Stands up, pushes him into the barricade with his hand still on his neck. But in comes Bobby Lashley to break that up. He turned him around. And as soon, before before even uh, Braun could turn it completely around, we see Drew McIntyre delivering a just hellacious Claymore kick. So that knocks Braun Strowman down officially. This is uh, two, two of the... Hardest hitting finishing moves on the Raw roster, so I don't even I don't know if even the monster could stand up after that. And so this is decimation continues. They throw Braun into the other steel steps, and they pick him up. And Braun, I mean uh, Baron Corbin takes his belt off. <laughs> they tie it to his wrist, and then they uh they basically hold on to him and lean his arm which has already been busted open by the way but it was scratched it's looking very bad you know a lot of people don't like some people like to see uh blood in matches i'm not really a large proponent of this since it uh stopped happening like officially but if you know sometimes mistakes happen either way we're looking at braun Strowman with his arm bloodied up we don't know what's gonna happen but then we see uh uh, Drew McIntyre and Bobby Lashley holding him down. We've got uh, uh, Baron Corbin with the chair in his hand. And then he switches from the chair and picks up the top half of the steel steps and bashes it into Braun Strowman's elbow. Uh, it could be shattered. It could be broken. It's definitely not at 100% anymore. We wish the Monster Among Men well. We hope you... Uh, has a speedy recovery but for right now it's looking like he's gonna have four weeks to feel better or else uh, it's gonna be a potentially easy ride for Baron Corbin come TLC in the end of the segment we can say and actually this is me talking I think that uh, Braun Strowman looked extremely strong even in that defeat because he was able to get up and walk out on his own accord bloody arm uh mangled arm and all and not everybody can do that most people would have just walked out on a stretcher but i walked out excuse me they would have just rolled out on a stretcher but braun Strowman being able to walk out on his own accord that says uh a lot about who he is as a monster so moving forward in the show we have uh seth rollins and dean ambrose's little situation which is uh escalating rather quickly just as I uh, requested uh, from Dean uh, last night at Survivor Series, he stayed out of the match between uh, United States Champion Shinsuke Nakamura and his Continental Champion Seth Rollins, uh, where Seth Rollins actually picked up a very hard-fought victory. It was a very cool match. Some people weren't a huge fan of the ending, but I'm just glad that we were able to see both champions in the ring giving it their role. Seth ended up getting a... He, well, he won with the stomp and kicked out of a Kinshasa to the back of the head. Some people are mad because uh, 
uh, someone kicked out of the Kinshasa, but I would uh, tell you to go back and find uh, some other spots where that has happened because it's not very often that a Kinshasa to the back of the head has uh, rendered someone uh, down for three. It's happened, but it doesn't happen very often. You'd have to hit it from the front. Uh, Shinsuke Nakamura uh, donning his blue uh, had a great showing, and in the end, the the architect got that win. If you would like to see more more of that in detail, then I suggest you go and watch Survivor Series streaming uh, on demand on the WWE Network. Either way, tonight we've got Seth in the ring with more focus on uh, things uh, happening at TLC because we were given the information uh, from Charlie Caruso that Seth would be facing off against Dean at TLC for the Intercontinental Championship. Uh, Dean from last week is, uh, you know, we we don't know exactly where he's at or what he's thinking or how he's feeling, but it's very clear that he's attempting to do something brand new. He sees himself as reborn. He has burnt the shield vest. It's extremely symbolic. I think it is a done deal now. We'll find out what uh, what Seth has to say. But I think that Seth is very upset. But now he can at least place his focus on one sole uh, individual and being uh, Dean Ambrose. So we got Seth in the ring uh, talking about his match with uh, Shinsuke Nakamura and how he has the opportunity now to fully focus on Dean Ambrose. And he pretty much called him a punk. And he's saying that he hasn't really given... Uh, any insight as to why he did what he did to him and Roman. I, I kind of like how he's uh, bringing Roman into this, but I kind of think we should just leave Roman out. You know, like uh, Roman wasn't in... Roman has nothing to do with what happened between Dean and Seth. Therefore, Roman shouldn't be brought up, especially because of his situation. You know, uh, we have some... We had Seth go into how... You know, he didn't really know Dean, and you can't really call someone a best friend if you guys aren't talking on the phone, especially during an injury. You know, Seth went on to speak on how he learned more about Dean watching the Chronicle on the WWE Network uh, than he ever knew about him in 10 years. You know, again, if you if you guys are best friends, then they should be talking. That should have been a sign, but, I mean, Dean does what Dean does. To claim that you love something doesn't necessarily mean that you need to always have the people that you're with uh, always in the know about what goes on when the cameras are off or when you're dealing with a very serious injury. You know, if he almost died, then he, well, if I'm almost about to die, I wouldn't want to talk to anyone either, you know, but that's just maybe me being slightly biased uh, and on Dean's side with this, but I, I can understand. I'm not on any, I don't have a real pony in this race. I can understand where both uh, sides are coming from, but it doesn't matter what I think. You know, the only person that uh, really could give us some insight into this is Renee Young, and we have Michael Cole actually ask and try to find out. So uh, let's see if we can get some insight into what Dean is thinking and doing from his own wife, Renee. Let's find out. Sure, yes, I'm the easy target here to just ask me all the questions about Dean Ambrose, and I don't agree with what he's doing, but I understand part of it. Look, he's on the shelf for eight. 
how he was wronged by Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns, and now we get to see it all come together. I don't know what his plan is. I don't know. He, he's had time to think about his entire career. Well, I don't want to editorialize on this, but it seems like there could be a better way of going about it than Dean Ambrose is, and a lot of these... Hey, now, you heard it first. She, uh... She thinks that Dean had time to think about how he was wronged by Seth. How was uh, Dean wronged? That would be my question. What did what did Seth do so wrong to him? Win championships in his absence? Hey, again, I don't know. Even Michael Cole said I don't want to editorialize anything. And I'm only going with what we see on the show as far as the storyline goes. But it definitely looks as if Dean might be being a little bit selfish. But I don't know. Let's continue to... See how this unfolds. So Dean brings I Seth to come backstage and find him. Apparently he was in the back, just as Michael Cole stated earlier. And once Seth got back there, he's asking all kinds of security guards and such uh, where he's at. Nobody seems to know. But uh, one of them actually had a little bit of heart and said, I don't know where he's at, but you better get up out of my face. Seth smirks about it, pushes one of the security guards and holds off and Cole clocks. Uh, the security guard that had that little bit of lip toward him. Uh, they, the security guards came through to help him, help the security, the down the security guard. But Seth goes on to look for uh, Dean. Uh, clearly, they are still grilling Renee, but she doesn't know anything about it. Uh, she's saying that he's a lot more cerebral than anybody would give him credit for. And I mean, I think that this is just a giant mind game from Dean. Uh, not too sure uh, if he's trying to out-architect the architect, but hey, if, in my opinion, this makes for very compelling and entertaining television as far as this storyline is concerned. So let's continue to see how the events unfold throughout the night. So we get Bailey and Sasha versus Naya and Tamina, and we are graced with the presence of Alexa Bliss on commentary. Let's be mindful that uh, last night at Survivor Series, where we had the uh, women's teams uh, getting it all together by the end of it. Uh, first of all, Nia and some, excuse me, uh, Natty and Ruby Riot actually got into a little scuffle because Ruby Riot decided to antagonize Natty about uh, her father's or well, late father's shades, which was uh, completely uh, uh, distasteful. As far as storyline went, this incensed Natty and they began to fight, which ultimately got them kicked off of the Women's Survivor Series team and replaced with Bailey and Sasha. Over on the blue brand side, we had uh, Naomi uh, taking the role as team captain, which is extremely respectable. And we had uh, in Charlotte's place, or at least the fifth person's place, uh, Mandy Rose stepping in which made for a very compelling part of the match that we'll get into a little later. As far as Alexa Bliss and her managerial skills, I think that she's doing a fantastic job in her situation, in her role. And uh, I think one of the major, major uh, points that she made, and even Michael Cole, I guess, whether we call it sarcasm or not, uh, called it good advice, but it's all about building someone up as opposed to tearing them down because you, you can only do but so much tearing down before uh, this person, uh, whoever it is you're tearing down, 
retaliate in one fashion or another. It might not necessarily even be at you. They could retaliate on themselves. They could retaliate on other people. You know, you just, in my my experience, I've realized that uh, tearing people down has only actually uh, served the purpose of, it served me no good. <laughs> you know, so this is just a little bit of the, the real life lessons that WWE constantly teaches uh, each week. It's the way I decided to receive it. I believe that anybody underneath the sound of my voice should receive it in the same fashion. It's a valuable lesson from Alexa Bliss, hence why she's such a good uh, leader in, in most tenses. Since we're on Raw, though, we can talk about what took place uh, last night at Survivor Series as far as the Raw women's team went. It's the, the match went very well. Of course, Team Raw won, we already know, because of the clean sweep, you know, 6-0. to zero. But it was very odd, you know. Uh, well, not very odd, but it, it, to me it was, it was always entertaining to see how the fans are going to respond to uh, the superstars in the ring. Nia Jax has mm, gone up and down or from side to side as far as uh, being a good guy or a good girl, a bad girl, good guy, bad guy, however you're going to see a heel face. But honestly, uh, Nia has uh, shown a new side of herself uh, last week during the invasion on the Royal Locker Room from the SmackDown Women's Locker Room. Uh, Nia, as we all know by now, uh, punched Becky in the face and broke it. A very unfortunate event gave uh, Becky a concussion, but took to Twitter and uh, deemed herself the face breaker. Uh, <laughs> I think it's very, very cool that she's taking advantage of it. I think it's awesome that WWE is behind that idea. And even though people aren't too high on Nia right now being the face breaker, I think that it's definitely something that can take her or catapult her to the next level. As we can all tell by the response that she received from the WWE Universe at Survivor Series, where each and every time, whether it was the camera on her or she tagged into the match or whatever, it was a resounding boo from the entire crowd. Like, they're, they're very upset that she's the one that has essentially taken Becky off of uh, TV for a moment. I don't know what's going to happen with the SmackDown Women's Championship, but for right now, uh, Nia Jax is looking like the badass on Monday Night Raw as far as the women's division is concerned, and only to be coupled with the fact that she uh, pushed her own teammate off of the top rope. You know, Asuka was the last uh, person on Team SmackDown. Sasha went up to the top rope to, I assume, go for a frog splash in honor of uh, the late Eddie Guerrero, and Nia pushed her off. What? So she pushed her off, and then she uh, hit Asuka with three leg drops and such, and a Samoan drop, and got the victory for her team. What? I believe Sasha got tapped out to the Asuka lock. So this makes Nia the sole survivor. So the face breaker who has a women's championship uh, match coming up against Ronda Rousey eventually is 
uh, working her way up the ladder. Like, she is next in line, but could the women's championship energy be calling out to Nia? Could it already be possessing Nia? Who knows? We're going to find out in coming weeks. But for right now, the facebreaker is looking like the baddest woman on the planet. Let's not take away anything from Tamina, who's uh, stepping into her character a lot more since she's been back. That there was a huge clothesline that she gave to Sasha Banks, and uh, she uh, bothered the crowd for a moment. She, you could just see her becoming more comfortable each and every week, and I like it. I think that Tamina is a powerhouse. I think I've always said this, and she's totally. Uh, somebody to look out for as far as the women's roster is concerned. I'm going to take this time also to speak to Bailey. Of course, these women are having their, uh, their tag team match in the ring, and uh, Michael Cole raised a very, very good observation about Bailey. You know, some time ago, Bailey was in there with Alexa Bliss, and I believe it was some sort of hardcore match, Kendall stick on a pole match, some, some craziness thought up from gorilla position, but... Uh, the question was whether or not Bailey had any edge to her, and I can definitely say that Bailey has shown so much more of an of an aggressive side in the past couple of uh, uh, months. She's been out there, she's kicked ass, especially when Bailey beat up Sasha. Now you can you guys can be as upset as you want to be about that part of the storyline. Directly before they went to uh, counseling, but. I think that Bailey was able to show that not only can she be a good friend, but she can be a very bad enemy. You know, it was uh, it was a lot of tension between Bailey and Sasha at a time. I remember very clearly that Bailey saved Sasha on a number of occasions, and I recognized that uh, Bailey got fed up with just being nice all of the time, and I can personally agree with that sentiment, we saw Bailey beat up Sasha, and it was, it was, uh, it was almost on the levels of what Ronda Rousey, uh, experienced, uh, by, at the hands of Charlotte Flair last night at Survivor Series, but that's, uh, for another time, either way, Bailey and her aggressive, uh, nature, it's, uh, very, it was a very accurate, uh, Accurate observation from Michael Cole, who is my favorite commentator, by the way. Let's continue. Hard for a battle between all four women. We had uh, in the closing sequence, I barely go for a crossbody of sorts. She was trying to uh, take it to Tamina. Uh, Tamina went for a Samoan drop. Bailey was able to get out of it. The referee got bumped briefly and slightly, uh, not too much to knock him out, luckily. And uh, while Bailey was attempting to capitalize on that uh, small bit of confusion, Nia Jax uh, was able to come up to the ropes and get a real good cheap shot. And holding to that name, Facebreaker, is extremely entertaining to hear uh, everyone make reference to Nia Jax being this way. But uh, we'll see <laughs> exactly how long that moniker sticks around. I mean, as Alexa Bliss brought it up on uh, commentary, 
who these she the well Naya and Tamina are the powerhouses of the locker room right now, or the women's locker room. So who's gonna step to them? You know, uh, I don't know who would. And she even brought up Becky Lynch. Like as Becky Lynch, she and she tried to step to her and and look how she's experiencing everything right now. So yeah, it's uh it's pretty funny. Either way, Sasha uh, was well. They went for a pin on Bailey. Sasha broke it up, but was easily disposed of, and ultimately, Bailey got hit with the Samoan drop and pinned for the victory on Nia and Tamina's part, thus leaving them just as dominant as they started. So apparently, acting general manager Baron Corbin was preparing to be interviewed by Charlie Caruso, and while Charlie's getting ready to introduce him, we get Dean Ambrose on the raw screen behind us, and he's uh, still waiting for Seth, apparently. Where's he at? He's asking. He asks Charlie to relate a message that he's still waiting for him, and there's a special spot, because six years to the day on Survivor Series, that was when uh, The Shield made their debut. So apparently Seth knows exactly where Dean is at, and we are going to find out if Seth can catch up to him. Of course, you know, Seth was somewhere in the building watching uh, the show live, so he saw Dean as him trying to look for him. Seth was uh, frantically searching for him in the back, and we get back on, well, we we come back to the live feed on the camera. The cameraman's running, sees Seth looking for Dean. He goes to the spot, kicks in the door, Looks for Dean. No Dean to be found. What is it with these mind games? But speaking to the mind game, uh, Seth turns and looks at the door that he just kicked through. And right on the back of it, in spray paint, it says, burn it down. This is a little immature from Dean. Why are you messing with him, Dean? Won't you just go fight him? But attempting to get into his head, I mean, of course Dean is... Uh, doing what he wants to do to Seth, but I don't know. We've seen Seth a little angry before. I think it's a very cool little dynamic to see these guys attempting to one-up each other. It's definitely obvious that uh, Dean has the one-up on Seth in the moment, you know, but we'll see how Seth is able to respond to this later on. I think 205 Live has come a very long way from the likes of Enzo Amore as champion. And I'm not really a big proponent behind even speaking on Enzo Amore uh, being a champion. In his time there, it was uh, it was fairly interesting to kind of look at. But since his departure, we've had a much better product. Since the arrival of general manager drake maverick we've gotten a much more serious show we've got stories taking place in the ring and we've got an, a genuine intrigue in who is working their way up the ladder and how each superstar is working their way up the ladder so i can say with every bit of my being that i think it's extremely distasteful to to joke about Drake Maverick and what happened at Survivor Series. Like, yeah, it was kind of funny in the moment, 
but to sit and try to make a complete mockery of someone who just led a dominant tag team to victory last night, led a dominant tag team to championships, like, it's... It's almost contradictory, and it's it's almost, for lack of better term, and with absolutely no pun intended, it's it's disrespectful to soil the good name of 205 Live by making a complete mockery of the general manager. We're not making fun of Shane for being the best in the world. We're not making fun of Stephanie because she is a billion dollar princess and she's gone through her fair share of embarrassing moments just as every other superstar. But we're highlighting the fact that a 500 pound bully had to be upset enough to choke a little guy and this team still lost? Come on. Drake Maverick didn't distract anybody. Big Show distracted everybody. I don't think that was funny. I think it was done in poor taste. I think it was, you know, fairly... I'm glad that the crowd thought it was funny, but me personally, as far as a blogger goes, there are a ton of things that all the other podcasters and bloggers are mad at throughout the show each week. But... And I choose not to be upset about a lot of the stuff that takes place on WWE TV. This doesn't upset me, but I am very, very disappointed in all of the people that are attempting to make some sort of toilet joke out of the general manager of 205 Live. It's disrespectful, and honestly, I can't wait to see a, excuse me, the authors of pain kick some ass, period. Anybody that thinks it's funny, they they potentially have something coming, just like we all do. Just like we all do. So, the Lucha House Party representing 205 Live. Do you see that? How we have 205 Live superstars on Monday Night Raw representing for 205 Live? We can thank General Manager Drake Maverick for that. Just saying. But we've got the Lucha House Party taking on the Revival, uh, Dash and Dawson, which, and, and it's in a, a weird match of Lucha House rules. Like, I don't even know what that is. It sounds like I've never even seen a match like that before, so shouts to the first time ever. That's really cool. But these, all three members of the Lucha House Party can take on both members of the Revival. I know that the Revival probably didn't care and said, bring on four more of them. I don't, I mean, this is something that goes back to Dean Ambrose back when he was Wacky Dean, but, you know, taking on an extra member, this isn't Freebird. This is literally three men on two. So we might as well just said it was something like that. But to call it something new is whatever they're deciding to call it. It's a fine idea, I guess, but... They couldn't just use two members. It wasn't Kalisto's knee a little tweaked from that tag team match on a Survivor Series kickoff. But wait, we're just going to sweep that under the rug because that match never happened technically because it's such a clean sweep. Oh, it doesn't matter. Let's get into the match. So I don't know if we're continuing to make a mockery of 205 Live or if we're just trying to continue to make the revival look bad. I thought the match was very entertaining, but looking at how it all took place, you know, just breaking rules and such, like we're using foreign objects in the ring, as long as nobody gets hit, right? I mean, this is the fun of Monday Night Raw, of course, so let's not take this shit too serious, part of my lingo, but 
you know, part of my Spanish in this tense, but it's, uh, you know, we have them throwing pinatas around, playing keep away, and it's a three on two, so obviously these guys can't necessarily get uh, uh, an offense going for too long. Long story short, uh, Lucha House Party wins by way of shenanigans, and congratulations to them. Okay, but to uh, make things a little serious or to calm things down, you know, we we definitely enjoy uh, having an opinion, which of course is the lowest form of human thought. But again, we enjoy having an opinion on the WWE product regularly. But uh, to get into the facts, WWE is a, a worldwide entity, you know, especially here in the United States of America and over in California where they're at right now, they're uh, experiencing, well, the state of California is experiencing a lot of wildfires, unfortunately, so uh, they decided to begin campaigning uh, for donations to aid in supporting the Los Angeles Fire Department. They've teamed up with the Red Cross, so I would actually uh, recommend or even uh, just I've done it myself. I've donated a, a what I could, you know, but I think uh, if you choose to donate yourself, you can definitely go and visit support LAFD.org. You can go to Red Cross and uh, donate any, anything you have to aid in this uh, response to the wildfires in California. You, you feel like it can't hit home, but it definitely can one day. Uh, hopefully it never does, but be into the fact that it has happened to uh, people out there, uh, we should at least send our thoughts and prayers out to everyone in California. So please, uh, donate if you can. And so back to the show, we got uh, Seth still backstage. We had Charlie Fine, well, found, you know, running into him and asking him his feelings on the situation so far tonight with Dean. Seth is uh, obviously upset still. He's mad at himself. He's uh, frustrated with the situation at hand, but all in all, uh, Dean was seemingly out of line for sharing that uh, Roman is getting what he deserves with his situation. Um, I don't really like talking about Roman Reigns too much. Uh, The situation is uh, very delicate, obviously, and... Dean is in his own headspace when it comes to what he's doing. So, while Seth was sharing that, we actually saw Dean in the background walking by. And by the time Seth was finished talking, we saw uh, uh, Titus O'Neil attempt to tell Seth that Dean was just here. Seth honestly went running in the wrong direction. Dean went completely different route he was let's just say he walked straight by you know and Seth went running in the wrong way you know when he showed up in the spot Dean was in he uh if Dean would have turned left then Seth would be on the right direction but Dean continued walking straight either way shouts to Titus for making him aware but uh whatever right so the search continues you know, for Dean Ambrose from Seth Rollins, and let's continue to find out what takes place on Monday Night Raw. So last night at Survivor Series, Ronda Rousey and Charlotte Flair had their match, where Charlotte replaced 
uh, women, well, SmackDown Women's Champion Becky Lynch because of her injury and concussion and broken face. That match was the match of the night. And no, no, I'm not speaking about anything that took place after the match, which we will get to momentarily. I'm speaking about the match. It was two athletes going at it. We know Charlotte has claimed to be genetically superior for years. We know that she is a second generation superstar, daughter of the nature boy Ric Flair, but take that, that has absolutely nothing to do with uh, what she was able to accomplish in that ring with Ronda Rousey during the time that they were in there together having the match. Uh, Ronda Rousey, of course, we know she needs no introduction. We know her backstory. We know her background. We know exactly what type of training she's done. We've seen the ups. We've seen the downs. And we've seen what she's, uh, what it's all culminated to here in WWE. She's proven to be a quick learner. She's proven to be an extreme talent. And I think that Ronda Rousey, if she decides to stick around, can be a, a, an asset, a true asset to the WWE women's locker room. She's always looked strong. She's always been one of my favorite uh, athletes in the game of sports. And now seeing her in the game of sports entertainment, she is... Uh, the best you know like and there's a lot of the best running around but right now she's uh proven to uh be able to do things that other uh women superstars aren't necessarily even willing to attempt seemingly just based on uh what we've seen her do thus far the match between her and charlotte she you even saw charlotte begin to uh, uh question herself as as to say like what what am I supposed to do? What can what else can I do? She threw everything at her, even the natural selection. Aranda was able to kick out of it. It was it was crazy, you know, just seeing how uh, athletic both of these women are. And once Charlotte recognized that there was actually nothing that she could do, but Rhonda still clearly had more in the tank. Uh, Charlotte decided to go the route of a kendo stick and began to literally beat the dog shit out of Ronda Rousey with it. And it was awesome. I'm so sorry. We love Ronda Rousey a lot. But it's one thing to see uh, Becky Lynch go in and do her thing and... We hope that she is okay, but seeing Charlotte uh, go that aggressive because she could not figure out a way to win, though not necessarily uh, smiled upon, uh, I wouldn't frown upon it. It's it, it took everybody to the next level. I think that Ronda Rousey looked just as strong as Braun Strowman did at the top of the show tonight where he was able to walk out on his own accord. Ronda Rousey got up and walked out. Ronda Rousey suffered a, a chair to the neck. She, Charlotte stomped on. Ronda Rousey suffered a natural selection to that chair. Ronda Rousey took a million kendo stick shots and one to the head. And it, 
Oh my goodness, she she got busted open from an inadvertent elbow. I will say that, you know, always again on my side of life, it sucks to see a superstar get busted open in a time where uh, blood isn't necessarily uh, something that we uh, we're big on. You know, I don't want to see it happen. I don't like to see the superstars get injured in that fashion. Even though it does build an emotional connection with every fan and uh, constellation in the WWE universe, we don't want to see anybody go through that because, uh, again, we've all experienced uh, mistakes in situations like that. So, whatever. But either way, uh, Charlotte Flair beat up Ronda Rousey. And how does Ronda respond? Ronda Rousey is right. She is 100% correct about a champion being able to go out there and take on anybody that wants to challenge them. Ronda Rousey is correct in being willing to stand atop the mountain even if she isn't at her best. It was quite inspirational to listen to Ronda Rousey speak about how it's clearly not over between her and Charlotte Flair. And when the time is right, they will go one-on-one again. And they will have, I guess, either the second round or the closing round of their feud. I don't know where it's going to be. I don't know where it's going to take place. All I know is it has 100% of my attention. Ronda Rousey went on to lay out an open challenge to any woman who wants to challenge her for the WWE Women's Championship. And out comes Baron Corbin, the acting general manager, just doing his job, attempting to uh, reserve his uh, superstar and make sure that no harm befalls her by saying no. You can't have a match, especially after what you just experienced last night. She doesn't care about that. And it is very, 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 very uh, lucky for us out here in the WWE Universe to be able to see Ronda Rousey compete against the experience of Mickie James, who is uh, undefeated at Survivor Series and had a great showing last night. Uh, at Survivor Series, and um, we're going to see how she's able to take this open challenge and uh, hopefully, for her, uh, win the Women's Championship. So we have the match between Mickey James and Ronda Rousey for the WWE Women's Championship, and Mickey James definitely saw that she uh, had some uh, open spots on Ronda's body where, you know, she had taken some bruises last night at Survivor Series from Charlotte Flair, so she attempted to capitalize on these uh, small injuries that uh, Ronda got. You know, scratches, cuts, bruises, kindlestick shots. You see the welts and all the rest of that. That they had still been they formed up. You could still see they were there. The inflammation, all of that, and uh, you know, it worked for a little while. But Ronda Rousey was able to dig down deep and take the victory uh, from the clutches of defeat with uh, three Piper's Pits and a, uh, 
and the armbar, you know, the patented armbar that Ronda Rousey has delivered and even won the women's championship with. It was a couple good spots, a good shot that Mickey James got on Ronda Rousey uh, with a, I think it was a right hand to the face that Ronda didn't even see coming. But still in no, Ronda was able to take the win. One of my favorite spots in the match actually happened before the match began. Uh, Mickey James threw her jacket at Ronda, but Ronda caught it and threw it back. But Mickey James caught it and just threw it down. Said, all right then, but these are ways to get into her head. I really, really like Mickey James. She's uh, one of my uh, sleeping favorites. I don't really speak about her too, too much, but she is definitely one of the more experienced women on the roster and you could just see like if you uh, let's go into a quick uh, a bit but I think that we all see uh, the moves on WWE TV and we're conditioned to see them executed the correct way so what happens when they're not executed the correct way or they happen differently than what we're accustomed to seeing them uh, that's when the, the uh, product becomes that much more entertaining there are a lot of things that you do. You could actually go to Tough Enough and see some of the fundamentals. You could go and watch Breaking Ground. These both are streaming on demand on the WWE Network. Again, so you can go and watch the fundamentals of what goes on in the ring, whether it goes to taking a bump, running the ropes, uh, how to get up correctly, which is going on, uh, well, which is something that was uploaded to the WWE YouTube channel as far as Tough Enough Germany goes right now. Uh, and, uh, you know, even pandering to the crowd mid-match, you can go and see these things and learn. But if all of these things Mickey James has been able to utilize, and I see how often she uh, does it. And she knows what to pick. She knows what to do. She knows what to say at the right times. And she's somebody who I would really like to see uh, maybe get her microphone skills up. Her, let's call it promo skills, right? And... Uh, you know, begin to outshine the rest of the women on the roster because she's a superstar that is experienced enough to be able to at least go on another uh, women's championship run or two. Again, this is just my opinion, which is the lowest form of human thought, but I think personally that it should happen. So in the off chance that Mickey James and WWE get to hear this, hey, hey now, what's going on? Let's, let's give Mickey James some shine. You know what I mean? Maybe maybe not beating Ronda Rousey for the championship, but let's uh, get some spotlight on Mickey James. I'm I'm just saying this because I like what she's been able to show us thus far on uh, TV. But again, this is an off chance that these guys ever get to hear this, so whatever, right? Mickey James uh, had the tap out to the armbar after three Piper's pits. Ronda Rousey is still our WWE Women's Champion. As Ronda Rousey's uh, going up the ramp to, uh, you know, thank the crowd for enjoying her presence and, uh, you know, go backstage. We have Nia Jax and Tamina step out because, you know, four weeks they do have their match coming up at uh, TLC, streaming live on the WWE Network. But it was uh, just a simple stare down and Nia Jax uh, blew a fist off because she is the face breaker now, newly crowned. And... I uh, just wanted to remind Nia, I mean, excuse me, wanted to remind Ronda Rousey that, you know, uh, she's she's watching and she's paying attention to uh, everything that's going on. And I think that Ronda Rousey uh, conducted herself very, very well as someone who was uh, beaten and battered and just came out of a championship match where she 
again, conducted herself well also. But I think that Ronda got the point. I think she's prepared for uh, their match at TLC. And I think that, uh, like I said, I think the, the warning was heated. So, with that, let's continue the show. If we're to speak about the championship uh, titles being some form of uh, a spiritual energy or whatever so have you, I think that the tag team championships are finally prepared to be serious with uh, finding some representation, at least on Monday Night Raw. SmackDown Live right now, I'm not too sure. I enjoy watching The Bar uh, along with The Big Show, but at the same time, they seem as if they're just into uh, bullying, (laughs) just based on what I saw last night. You know, they were, um, maybe just the big show, but who knows? I don't want to sound like I'm being mean, but at the same time, I don't care if I don't sound nice saying it because clearly and obviously the bar are better than, uh, you know, most of the tag teams, except the authors of pain because they clearly lost to them. And uh, we'll have to see another superstar shakeup and hopefully get these tag teams on the same brand to see uh, who would be more dominant. But as of right now, the Authors of Pain are much, much better than Sheamus and Cesaro. I'm not just saying that because I'm upset about what they've... uh, what they did to Drake Maverick. But if you're going to get distracted like that and then get rolled up for one, two, three, what does that say about you as a WWE competitor? You're supposed to be performing at the highest level as a tag team champion, but uh, come on. Like, you can beat a long a long reign, but at the same time, you guys lost also. So, you know, that's what it is. Either way, we have uh, uh, Dad Rude, the Rude Dad, Bobby Rude, and Chad Gable uh, taking on the Authors of Pain based on uh, their attempts at joking, which it was a fun play on words, you know, but it, it, again, when I don't enjoy making a mockery of higher management, you know, like we're not going to just sit here and act as if Drake Maverick hasn't accomplished anything since he's uh, joined the WWE family. And especially since they got rid of Paul Ellerling, uh, call it fortunate, call it unfortunate. You see how you feel. But uh, since Drake Maverick has joined, these men are a completely uh, new tag team, revitalizing everything. So to scare a man into pay- pissing himself, essentially, it's it's comical in the moment, but let's not let that overshadow all it is that Drake Maverick has accomplished. We're going to see who takes uh, the victory here, in my opinion. I, I would hope that it would be the Authors of Pain, but... Uh, Only the match can tell that story. So as suspected, this is a complete domination thus far. We saw a giant knee from uh, one of the Authors of Pain to Chad Gable. We saw a giant spine buster after an attempted sleeper hold from Chad Gable. But, uh, you know, uh, again, it wasn't enough. And that giant spine buster looked as if it knocked him out of course it didn't knock him out all the way but it has him down for the count seemingly let's find out what happens next 
upset victory from Gable and Rude. Uh, they went for the Rude Awakening. You know, that's a neck breaker into the well, moonsault into the neck breaker. Uh, Gable doing the moonsault, uh, Bobby Rude doing the neck breaker. But Aiken was able to reverse that, send him out the ring. But Chad Gable being so quick on his feet and quick with his wits uh, did a giant sunset flip from the top and was able to uh, shock one of the authors of pain for the roll-up victory. One, two, three. It is all good in my book. I'm, a, again, a upset about it, but this actually gives the tag team division some much, a much-needed shot in the arm. So let's find out uh, what happens in the coming weeks between these two. I think this actually boosts them up the ladder. They might even have an opportunity at the tag team championships next week. We'll see. And uh, uh, the crowd is hilarious for screaming AOPP. I thought that was pretty comical, but I still stand on everything I said about not making a mockery of the general manager of 205 Live because that leaves an opening for other general managers to be made a mockery of in one fashion or the next. So we cut the backstage. Find Dean Ambrose hiding, uh, you know, somewhere. <laughs> and he's... Uh, Letting it be known that this little situation has nothing to do with Roman. It has more so to do with just the bond between brothers broken. You know, he uh, it's very obvious that he's mad that uh, Seth called him a lunatic. So a little weeks ago on Monday Night Raw, he called him. Uh, he said he was on lunatic time. And Dean didn't like that. And that was one of the things that made the uh, cracks formed very obvious. Uh, he's brought it up a number of occasions. He's called them pretty crazy. And uh, I think Dean has been trying to get away from that lunatic character, quote-unquote, that he's been deemed with or dubbed with for the past couple of years, you know? Like, no more lunatic fringe. So, fine. Uh, I think he could have went again. Like I even, I even heard Michael Cole say it. he could have went about it a different way. But we can't tell Dean what he should do or how he should feel about a situation so uh that's uh what that is you know he does he had a couple of heel tactics uh said los angeles stinks you know and <laughs> you know that was that was the backstage segment if uh seth is able to find him before the end of the night he said he was gonna break him and burn him down or whatever that means right but let's uh, find out what takes place because next up, I believe, we've got uh, Natty attempting to avenge her late dad's sunglasses, uh, taking on Ruby Riot of the Riot Squad. So we cut to Seth backstage before the match between Natalia and Ruby Riot. And he clearly has his bags and he's ready to go. He does not care about searching for Dean anymore in that night. And that was the. Uh, that was the the segment. He was interviewed uh, by the lovely Kayla Braxton, where she asked him uh, if he's done, he's going to continue searching for him and not. And he said, I'll see him at TLC if he's going to continue running around. And that's it. No one has time to continue trying to search for a white elephant, <laughs> you know, or whatever we're going to call it. So that was the end of that for that segment, I assume, of Seth Searching for Dean. Uh, fruitless search and it is what it is so with ruby and natty going at it in the ring is uh you know the, the story here is again uh ruby riot desecrating her 
well, Natty's late father's uh, sunglasses, which is very disrespectful, and this is what was uh, the narrative uh, was the entire match. It was pushed like that, and uh, I personally, I think that uh, it was extremely disrespectful for, for Ruby to do that, and uh, regardless how we feel about it outside of it, inside of the storyline, something uh, needed to take place as far as how Ruby would be handled, you know, so they have the match. Ruby had a good, couple good spots. Natty had a good discus. Ruby had a good uh, cannonball off the second rope, but ultimately an uh, attempt to distract the Riot Squad lost Ruby the match because uh, Ruby went for the uh, roll-up and Natty was able to shift the momentum and get her own win for herself. Therefore, Natty wins. We will see if this feud uh, rivalry continues in coming weeks. Uh, I don't have a say on whether it should or should not. I think that uh, Natty has come out on top, but if this is to continue, I'm not opposed to it. So after Natty's match with Ruby, we're uh, given the unfortunate news that Braun Strowman's elbow has been shattered. I think I said that at the top of the podcast. Potentially, that was what took place, and it is official. They took him to a local medical facility, and... Uh, Braun is injured. He's out for now. Let's see how long that takes, what the recovery process takes. Get well, Braun. We hope you, uh, you know, uh, speed through that. Cutting backstage, we got Dino still in the building, walking around. What's going on? Dean Ambrose is clearly coming out to the ring. He's uh, at gorilla position. He's getting ready to go through the curtain. What is going to happen next? What does he have to say? So Dean comes out and uh, insults the L.A. crowd. He's kind of just blabbering. If we are keeping it real, it's definitely making, like, my personal opinion. I mean, I like Dean, but he's not really making much, uh, much sense. He's making himself look real bad. He's embarrassing himself, making himself look real stupid. Uh, I think that Seth is well within his rights to come back he ran back came to the ring and started a fight you know they went at it uh but dean ultimately got the upper hand with a low blow after seth was going to go for the stomp on him Uh, it's really all we got you know monday night roll was extremely entertaining for the most part, everyone was attempting to get underneath everyone's skin. This is what the game was. I think that uh, the confrontations that happened were about as good as they was going to get. As far as uh, the first week building toward uh, WWE TLC streaming live on the WWE Network in four weeks is concerned. I would like to see what happens next. But we do have to get through uh, SmackDown Live tonight, and I definitely have uh, some words for our WWE champion, uh, Daniel Bryan, regarding his actions uh, in the past seven days. Quick spoiler alert, I'm highly unimpressed. That being said, This is Blake, broadcasting from the shadows. This was your Monday Night Raw review. I will catch you guys for SmackDown Live tonight.